And that is how we do it on Discord. Well, that's interesting. So, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't remember where I first discovered Craig. I think it was for the other podcast that I run, which is kind of dormant right now, but, um, handy thing and multi-track. So I like that. I only got two. I don't, I think I understand briefly what a multi-track is, but yeah. Basically it means that like I get one sound stream that is your audio, one that's mine. Um, oh, so okay. if I need to do like any sort of, that's why I did it. Right. Because we had one guy in the other podcast who, and I mean like it's a gaming focused podcast. So sure. Like half the guys on it are always playing a game in the background, but this one guy was like a mechanical keyboard enthusiast. Uh, I had a work colleague that was like that. He yeah. brought his own in from home and it could do, and you could hear that he always clackety, liked clackety, the, clackety, clackety. Yeah. I remember him doing that. I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. It's, it's a thing. But, and I mean like it's, you know. I like the tactile feel. I get it. But man, that's the sort of background noise that the filter ain't going to deal with. So, so then I had to like go in and literally like remove each and air, like whenever he was not obviously speaking in his sound wave, I had to just like silence the whole thing. Cause it was just keyboard clackety all the way through. Well, yeah. So <laughs> how do you want to start this now? Yeah. I mean, I think we'll kind of dance past the group commissioner topic because well, Shane's not here, but, yeah. um, you know, if you have anything else that's been on your mind lately, and uh, I mean, if not, I can probably think of something because you know I got lots of stuff on my mind. Sometimes. Well, I, I, I could I could tell you like a bit about myself, and because I don't know what about yeah. Well, I guess but... actually, yeah. Uh, so, this is so, the, yeah. this. Hang on, just a sec, because this yeah. is usually the part where I would like stop calling and uh, and be just like, oh right, we should do the intro. So uh, hang on a sec here. Well, welcome back to another episode of Scouting Stuff. You've got two of us today. Uh, once again, I am Scouter Ken, and at the other end of the internet is Scouter Sheldon. Hello. Hello. And so I'm not quite sure when this episode is going to be released. We're recording a little bit before Christmas, but it's probably going to come out sometime in the new year. But one of the last episodes we released in 2023 was with Scouter Shane, and that just happens to be Scouter Sheldon's brother twin brother at that but uh and we were initially gonna have the two of them on with this episode to like have a fun little chat about something but couldn't get shane this time but we do have you sheldon so welcome first and foremost you've been a listener to the podcast for a while as i understand uh since episode eight wow that's dedication and i remember after i heard that i went back and i had to go into podbean to download the the, oh, I think yes. the, the other episodes, which oh, was a hassle, but I remember listening and I was like, oh, and uh, I've always tried to promote the podcast whenever I meet somebody. It's just like, yeah, there's a scouting Canadian scouting podcast you should listen to. Here's how you find it. Well, thank you. Hey, have I sent you stickers yet? Uh, no, you haven't sent me stickers yet. Oh, message me your uh, mailing address and I'll drop some in the mail as soon as I can. Uh, okay, perfect. Great. Still a you few still of those the, left. Yeah, do you have any neckers left? Uh, you know what? We never actually wound up producing them. Um, oh, couldn't dang. get enough initial interest. So I'm just going to, I mean, I have other stuff I'm paying for right now. So once that's out of the way, I will make sure that I can earmark some funds to just do a run of Neckers and then I'll just, you know, sell them directly. But As for I, now, I like to unpaused. look at them. So, yeah. I am though, I found an old notebook of hastily sketched design notes. So I'm currently working on a, um, what is tentatively called uh, scouting for cards. Oh. 
So a little card slash board game idea that I had a few years ago and then promptly lost the notebook for it, then found again while I was decluttering my basement. Uh, I ran into uh, Mike when I was at my doing my camp functions. Oh, uh, Scudder Mike Eibel? Yeah. So he was there, and I, I immediately, I first thing I asked him, when's the next time you're going on the podcast? Yeah. Oh, and well. He, and yeah, he's just, yeah, that's what he said. He said, oh, well, uh, my schedule keeps me kind of busy. And he's like, and it's hard further out where he is and where I am. And I was like, yeah, I, I get that. Oh, that, that wasn't what I was going to say. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, he and I have uh, plans. Oh, oh, okay, great. There, there's there's plans of it. I always liked when he was on the podcast and when we was talking, whatever he was talking about, because it was always great to get. Oh that. yeah, yeah, so. he's crazy engaging. It's wonderful. Mike's a, Mike's a wonderful guy, um, but no, actually, what well, now that he's the communications coordinator, um, no, we have a series of things that we're trying to set up, and hopefully more on that uh, come mid January, uh, along with a trial run. But yeah, no, we're. I mean, the podcast has always existed to be at the service of Scouts Canada. Um, it's not an official Scouts Canada production, but it has always been available for them to use as any kind of messaging vehicle. And they've certainly taken me up on that in past years. Um, but they actually want to try and move it forward a little bit, make it a little bit more of a formally, still not, you know, like still not an official Scouts Canada thing, but they want to use it more and actually like have sort of scheduled events where we can do like um it's it's we're still putting the final details together and figuring out like all the software and integrations that we need to to pull together but we want it to be a way to involve more of the community um with the discussion topics that we come up with and so yeah hopefully some details coming out in early january with that but for now i think that's enough spoiler dropping so i oh. guess i better introduce my uh, yes like, who are order. you sir <laughs> So I am Sheldon Lehman, like uh, like you said. I am a currently I'm a program support scouter for Camp uh, Everton uh, here in Ontario. So uh, nice. and I, what I primarily do for them is I primarily run their archery range. Ah, respect. <laughs> yeah, and I'm currently doing that with uh, two other camps as well. So uh, they keep me fairly busy. Yeah, it would be. It would. I mean, like we. <sighs> we do have a bunch of like trained range masters in our group and they're always on loan to, to other scouting groups. Um, uh, so I yeah. think that, you know, you need so, the certifications, you need people who can run a range. Yeah. So I was lucky enough where we, the, the guy that I learned it from, uh, he was, he's actually, uh, um, judged at the, at the Olympic qualifiers. So he's a oh, very, nice. very, very, very knowledgeable man. Uh, Glenn, if you're listening, I learned a lot from you. So, Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, geez, you just gave me two things that I want to pick your brain about. And okay. one of them is like those trainings, right? For the range master and stuff like that. And that's probably the less controversial topic because the other thing that I desperately want to pick someone's brain about is properties. Oh, okay. Because you have amazing properties out there in the East and we are just hemorrhaging them here out West. Uh, Yeah. Uh, I can tell you a bit about Everton. Everton was uh, was first opened up in '43. Uh, for some of your viewers that uh, may know um, roughly Ontario, if you know where Blue Springs is, um, it is ten minutes away from there. So, and a lot of viewers will know Blue Springs because Blue Springs is the site of the Gilwell reunion for Ontario. Ah, okay, cool. Which I've been to since 2014, once I got my wood badge two beats. So nice. So. 
that's that's I guess that would be a topic for the podcast at some point as well. Yeah, well, yeah, always need ideas. But you know what? I think just for the sake of brevity, um, I'm going to steer away from sort of the the properties topic because I'm sure that is a rabbit hole that needs to be dived down at some point, but not with the half hour both of us have left. So, yeah. <laughs> but so, yeah. I do think talking about I can like, go, I can go about the uh, I can go I can talk to you about archery. Yeah, excellent. Rangemaster training and archery, I think, would be like yeah. excellent stuff because, I mean, yeah, scouts love, I, this is, scouts love archery and they love pelletry and they love, I mean, not too many of us do riflery anymore, but in my experience, scouts and cubs love shooting things at things. Uh, speaking of pelletry, I just got certified uh, two weeks ago for pelletry now. Oh, nice. So the only thing, and I do with the current plans we have, I, at some point, I will probably get them to build a tomahawk range out there. So we'll have uh, archery, pelletry, and tomahawk throwing at Everton at some point. Nice. So, which which is great, because, I mean, it, you want to talk about that? Kids love shooting stuff. They love throwing stuff, so... Oh yeah, we did axe throwing at like uh, some Cabarama event. I mean, it was a third party contractor that like came, like that was their thing, like the axe throwing yeah. party game stuff. So they came in and they handled all like the supervision. So we didn't need to have like trained people on hand. Um, but yeah, we did that and oh, so much fun. But anyways, yeah. So maybe just kind of give us a little bit of an overview of like you know how to become like how'd you become a range master and what did the range master do? Okay, so um, it was interesting that I became a range master. I wasn't didn't set out like, hey, this is what I want to do. Um, we have um, a camp near us called Campy Pisa, which is out near Drumbo, Ontario. Uh, they were they wanted to, uh, they we started up a range and they were looking for people and they said, well, we're going to run an archery certification course. And because my group at the time was using that a fair bit, two of us went out there and got certified. And once I got certified on that, uh, when they reopened Everton, they were looking for someone and they're like, I think I know somebody. So I got uh-huh. put on with that. And then uh, another camp, they, which is the guy I learned from, he's the range master there. He was like, come on out and I'll get you certified for pedaltry so you guys know what you're doing. But the way it is now is that Scouts Canada is now just starting to get out to the work where we're having a standard procedure for every camp. But the way it is right now is that for, you have to go to each camp or run their own certification and then certify you for that range. So, and that's the way Apisa's done it. That's the way some of the other camps are doing it. And that's the way Everton will be doing it. We'll run a course in the spring sometime. We'll have local groups come out. They get their guys certified. And then when their group comes, they have a range master certified for there. Nice. And I mean, at that point, they're qualified to run archery pretty much anywhere that there's equipment and targets, right? Not um, just necessarily on scout property. Yeah, because one of the things that Scouts Canada is doing is that we're making sure we're standardizing a lot of the equipment that we're using and we're, we're standardizing a lot of the training that we're using. So, And one of the nice things now is that I don't know where if you've done archery out where you guys are. You got, are you guys still using the, the longbows? Well, we have our own set of, like, I mean, our group is, our group in particular, like, we don't have a physical scout shop anymore. I think they had gone to the shorter bows, and I know they had some really light draw weight bows, like 15 pounders. Um, but our group, some years ago, uh, made the decision to purchase its own set of bows. And I don't believe they're long bows either. Um, again, different 
sort of a, a selection of draw weights, including a couple of really light ones. And then we also have arrows that we maintain for ourselves and like um, netting and even a couple of targets. So we've got like, we can literally like plop our own range down anywhere there's a field, um, basically. But we also don't, um, we're, we also don't mind, we have the, there's a one particular archery shop that has its own range here in the, uh, here in Edmonton. And we have a good relationship with them. And so we can, you know, schedule some range time there for fairly cheap. Um, so depending, we'll do it one way or the other, but I mean, we have our own gear. So, but yeah, not longbows, no. I was just wondering, cause the way, uh, we're looking at, uh, most camps I'm talking to now is that they're, uh, they're going to compound bows. And yeah. the reason why is because it's easier on the kids. And we're, I think we're at uh, the draw. The draw weight is twelve pounds, so it's pretty easy for the kids to pull. Yeah, I'm, I think that's mostly what we have is is compounds. And again, like a variety of draw weights, um, yeah. but a couple of really light ones. They might even be twelve pounders. Yeah, that's pretty much like from like I said, like from what I'm doing. That's pretty much what we're doing at at the three camps that I'm participating in. Yeah, they're generally using and we're using the same equipment because. Uh, the the camps that uh, the three camps that I'm involved with this, the same guy picked out all the equipment mm. and he's like yeah here's the equipment that you want and uh, everything else like that um, I know we just got new targets out onto Everton so we're gonna come the spring we'll set up our range and our range will be up and ready to go nice. I've just checked out all the equipment and the equipment's all in storage so that's like come the spring there you go yeah no that's nice um, it, it, it's nice when you know a camp can offer that like there's a we don't have any of like the big adventure bases here left anymore. We lost Camp Woods and our camp in Pisa over the last few years. But um, there are some smaller scout properties and there's this one particular one not too far from here called um, Scoutland. It's on a place called Chickakoo Lake. And they they don't, there's some DIY to the range. Like there's, it's not a truly permanent range. Like you kind of got to, all the stuff is like tucked away inside the cabin at Chickakoo, um, and one of the area scout groups maintains it basically. Um, but like, you know, you can pull out all the targets and set them up, but they're set up for pelletry, right? So they actually have a full set of air rifles out there. And really all you got to show up with is your own, um, lead pellets. Yeah. Um, I was just at a camp when I was taking my pelletry. Yeah. They, they have an indoor range and an outdoor ah, range. Nice. So the indoor range is kind of nice, but they actually, uh, their indoor range at one point, they had actually set up so they could shoot 22s in the indoor Oh, with the extra ventilation and whatnot. Yeah, they so they had gone through all of that and gone through that process. And I think the only reason they're not doing it anymore is because literally they do not have they um, they actually have a full vault and everything, and they just don't ha- they got rid of the twenty twos and because they they had to do more upgrading onto the range to keep the certification. Yeah, well, and that was the reason that I mean that that was one of the reasons that like we lost the ability to do back when we had a physical scout shop here. Uh, they had a range in the basement and yeah, they could not keep up with the ventilation standards for the 22s. Um, which is kind of a shame because I remember shooting those quite fondly as a scout. Um, but you know, the, the, the air rifles are in their own way, um, rather fun and like realistically <laughs> an air rifle and a 22 have almost the same amount of kick to them. So, you know, if you can do one, it kind of translates over to the other, not badly. Yeah, I uh, I had a great time when we were learning because they make you when you go through the range certification. Of course, they make you go out and shoot them, and I was just like, "Oh, great! It's been a while since I I did this." The only problem with it was is that um, they make you shoot it from the prone position, which is laying down, 
which is great, but it's just like, yeah, at my age, it's, it's not as easy to yeah. get out of that position and get back <laughs> up in that position. So it's yeah, like, okay. It's, yeah, that's uh, uh, catches up. But for the youth, that's that's great. They'll have no problem doing that. So No, no. they uh, And I mean, like we, well, we don't force them to shoot from prone. We encourage them to at least try it. Um, but uh, like we also have, um, we have a, we can set them up in like a sitting configuration or, um, yeah, we have a couple of options for it. So, so cause like, I mean, for, you, oh, you try, oh, oh, sorry. I was just going to say, cause you know, you try and cater to where people are at with their physical abilities. Right. And I mean, most of our kids are fairly, you know, healthy and nimble, but you know, occasionally you have one who's, or someone busts a leg and then well, now what do you do? Yeah. So like for my archery, uh, I've done like, I've done archery, like, uh, since, uh, I've done it with all types I've done from cubs and scouts and ventures with it. So, uh, and I've done nice. like, we, uh, the other day I had a group that came out and they had a visually impaired, uh, a person that actually shot and they did pretty good actually. Cool. So see that and every that, day. yeah. And that was the only reasons why, like they're saying like we should go with the compound boats because then if you have someone with something with a certain physical capability, then they could do that. And when I was on my course, they, they had one of the guys that was there. He's, uh, he does this, uh, outside of scouting, uh, archery. And he was telling me the number one person they have in the world right now, uh, for on the female side, she has no arms. So she's shooting it by her feet. I think I've seen a video of her shoot and she's darn yeah. impressive. I know. And I was just like, okay, well then that's, that, that seems to be, so when I, I often use that cause I often tell cubs and they have like oh this is very hard it's like no it's not here's your favorite person person doing it with no feet with just their feet so i think you can do it with your arms yeah uh or at least you know you can point to that and be just like you know i mean it it is tricky to you know figure out you know how hard you have to pull the bow back and aiming is very tricky too sometimes right developing a sense of like okay um i aimed too high that time i need to adjust myself accordingly but then equally you know yeah you can point at me just like it is not impossible to figure this out <laughs> And uh, like I said, like I, I've shot it with like all the, and the, once you get the hang of it, the kids have a blast. They love it. They always want to come back and do it again. And I've never had anybody just like, nah, it's not for me. I had, a, I've always have kids that come out and say, like, yeah, this is the best thing ever. It's like, yay. Nice. Yeah. Well, and I mean, yeah, our scouts, like, I mean, they would probably do archery every week if, if that was financially and logistically feasible, but you know, obviously it is not, but doesn't stop them from, you know, <laughs> telling us that, yeah, we could just do archery every week. That'd be great. Like, ah, well, we're not an archery club, unfortunately. We have had a couple though that have, you know, gone on to like, like we have one that does biathlon and it's like, well, you like shooting that much. Like, you know, there are clubs you can join too that uh, will let you shoot more than, than we can do here. I believe they were looking, when I was at a property meeting, they were looking at possibly putting a biathlon course uh, up at Halliburton uh, ah. at some point. So, and I was just like, and the way they would structure it out is that you wouldn't actually shoot, you would only be able to shoot on the range, but you would shoot from the range and then go out, do one lap, come back and shoot again. That works. So, yeah, that totally works. So, and I was just like, cause Halliburton now is that they're going to be running it instead of in the summer, they're running it all year. So they're looking at more and more programs putting up there. So. Yeah. Well, you need stuff to do in wintertime then. Yeah. So other than, you know, the the obligated skiing or like, you know, whatever, our uh, uh, will be cross country skiing or, uh, ice fishing on the lake, I guess. Mm. Well, you know, and I mean, that was something that I was actually really struck by when I was out at, uh, Kandersteg over the summer was, uh, you know what their two busiest seasons are for program? 
summer and winter. Now, granted, they have mountains there, so, you know, they can do a lot in the mountains in, in wintertime too. But um, it is, it, 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 you know, it kind of makes you stop and reflect because, I mean, wintertime, like, it's, it's the reality of what we have in Canada. And we can see it as being an obstacle. And to be fair, minus 40 is a significant obstacle for a broad range of activities, uh, anything outdoors. But, you know, equally, um, being able to really capitalize on the winter months and to just really try and capture those activities that are only enabled by the fact that there's snow on the ground. Um, like that should definitely be part of the Canadian scouting experience. So that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds great. Um, if you are going to do a winter activity, I would recommend don't drink warm Gatorade. I know some <laughs> Olympic athletes, they actually say, I know athletes that have said that they said that in the winter time that because the water will freeze, right? They, they warm mm. Gatorade and drink it. And they're like, no, that's, it's for hydration, but it's not a good experience. Yeah, no. And I mean, well, and yeah, and Gatorade, I mean, yes, it's beneficial for hydration, but only to a certain point because there's so much darn sugar in it as well. Right. And I mean, it's weird to think, you know, that's actually like one of the things that I think I've had like a learning curve issue with my scouts before. It's like, yeah, I mean, y'all expect you're going to dehydrate when it's hot out and you will, um, but you don't necessarily think that, you know, when it's like minus 10 and you're out pounding away in the snow that you're at as much of a risk of dehydration, but you are. And that's, oh, yeah, uh, I, deal, I, I deal curve. with that. At, I deal with that at my work because I work in a, uh, I work food safety at a pork processing plant. And so it's in a meat cooler every day. And I oh, have yeah. people just like, Oh, I don't need to drink water. Yeah, you do. Cause you're, you're going to be doing, you're doing a physical activity. You're going to get dehydrated. So drink your drink water. And they actually sell Gatorade at my work. And I was just like, don't drink that drink water. It's much better for you. Yeah, no, it definitely is. <sighs> it's, so yeah, and, and I mean, like the nice thing about coming back to like range master certifications and something that I mentioned a little bit earlier is that once you have it, you know, you're not tied to your group, um, you know, because, and I think this is maybe, you know, something that we do well, but I don't necessarily know if this is true everywhere. I don't know if this necessarily is, is something that's, I, I would hope it is, but, um, like I say, you know, we have trained range masters amongst our scouters and we are constantly loaning them out to other groups that don't. It's a really great way that, you know, a group, if you can afford uh, to, you know, it, in terms of time and cost, if there's associated cost, if you can afford to have a few people go out, take the training, uh, I mean, that's a benefit to your group because then obviously you can run range master led activities. Um, but then there might be other groups in kind of the area or even, you know, a an hour or two drive if people don't mind it that much. Um, I don't mind it, but you know, I'm not everybody, but some don't. Um, but you know, there might be other groups in the region that could also benefit from the fact that, oh yeah, we can, you know, loan you a trained range master for, for uh, a day or a weekend or whatever the case may be. Yeah. What general, most of the camps that I do, generally what we do is they put out the notification. We're going to have the training. People come out, take the training and then they join the uh, what they call a range committee. And then what you have is you have a whole list of people that when you have a group that comes out, I like to book archery. Okay, here's a list of people who wants to come out. And that's generally how most times I've done it. Like for the camps that I'm involved with, other than Everton, which I'm head of the range committee, it's just like, yeah, we just go through the list and uh, ask who wants to come out. And they come out for the afternoon or whatever, do the, do the activity, and then they go home for the day. Perfect. And yeah, that works that works amazingly well. So, you know, there's the encouragement, I guess, for this episode is 
get trained and then help your other scout groups out if, uh, if they have need, because Hey, you know, um, the kids do love to shoot stuff. That is a thing. Well, this might wind up being a very short and sweet episode, but that's okay. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's fine. Like, uh, like I said, I'm always willing to talk archery. Cause I always say it's like, you know, it's one of the things where I've never gone to a camp, never seen a kid saying, Hey, I don't want to do it. I see, I always have kids that are hesitant of, try, of trying it, but once they get up there and try it, they're like, Oh yeah, I'll do, I'll do this again. Yeah, every time. <laughs> and, um, I remember when they had it at, uh, at the last CJ, uh, they, they, they actually shot pelletry, um, archery and tomahawks all on the same range they had them all lined up and they would just they all went so yeah one after the other well i mean a range is a range in some respects right it's just where you put the targets yeah no that's awesome yeah well thank you for your time oh no problem scramble for our vehicles here right away but uh yeah we'll definitely have to have you and your brother back on he had a few more topics that he wanted to discuss and I mean, like I say, I've got some stuff lined up in 24, hopefully for like Scouts Canada to be involved. I've got to get back with Colin. Hopefully I can do that soon here too. We've just been so busy in our professional lives that we haven't had a chance to really meet in person that much. But this may well wind up being the first episode of 2024. And if so, happy new year. Happy scouting new year. Technically it's a new program year. Thank you out there for listening. Thank you as well, Sheldon, for your long listenership. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And until next time, be prepared. <laughs>